the ability to invest in affordable housing makes a real difference in terms of rent savings and in terms of trying to give people, I mean, if we can't give people the, the basic opportunity to live in a safe, affordable home, it's going to be you know, impossible to move to the, the bigger challenges of equity and inclusion and, and, and wealth building. Increasingly, commercial real estate investors want their capital to make a difference. And that's good news for Jeff Brenner, CEO of San Francisco-based Impact Community Capital. Over the past 25 years, the investment management firm he leads has produced more than $2 billion of institutional quality impact investments in affordable housing, childcare, and healthcare. Welcome back to Sustainability Street. CPE's podcast on the intersection of commercial real estate and the world we live in. I'm your host, Therese Fitzgerald. Here's my interview with Brenner about the history of impact investing, the drivers behind the recent surge in impact funds, and how impact investors are critical to stemming the affordable housing shortage. Jeff, I guess you could say you were an impact investor before impact investing was cool. Can you tell us about how you came to impact investing and your firm's history in that area? Sure. Th thanks, uh, Therese. It's nice to have the opportunity to, to speak with you and talk about uh, impact investing and impact community capital. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rarely associated with cool stuff, so, so thanks for that reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I started really just uh, really by accident. Went to a job interview and was really inspired by this person who ran a very small non-for-profit, but had grand ideas about the opportunity of driving capital um, into low-income communities. And you know, I know it was going to be a career. I thought I'd spend a couple of years doing it and really kind of learn from this person who just had an amazing vision and passion. That two-year vision turned into 18 years and, and now over 30 years in this space. I joined Impact in 2012 to really kind of be on the other side of the table, I guess, if you will, to um, work with investors who, who had a vision and to, to, to drive capital into communities. And, and that's really where Impact started. You know, it was a big idea. It was this idea that private capital was going to be required to solve problems like poverty um, and equity and inclusion that institutional investors were, you know, are, are among the, the largest holders of private capital. And so there was a role for them. And so this idea was that they would form their own investment manager with this really unique focus. Again, you know, 25 years ago, we're celebrating our, our 25th anniversary this year, but to create investments that were suitable to their portfolios, but that uniquely all of those investments would be focused on um, making a difference in low-income communities. So, you know, so what we like to say is we were investing for impact before it became this thing called impact investing. All right. It's not always been called impact investing, but socially responsible investing has a long history. Can you give us some of that background and how it has impacted affordable housing in the United States? Sure. Yeah, you're, you know, you're right. It's, uh, 
responsible investing, sustainable investing, socially responsible. And, you know, now today it's thought, you know, more in terms of ESG and, and impact investing. Depending on, you know, where you read in history, it goes way back. If you, if you think back to the 1960s, during the Vietnam War, there was a lot of, of protesters that wanted their endowments to, to quit investing um, in defense contractors or, or divest from their investments. So, you know, is, is, that, is that the history? I, you know, I, I don't know, but I mean, certainly that's, you know, that's a place where this kind of thinking started. In the 80s, you had the U.S. SIF, which is the Forum for uh, sustainable and responsible investing that was kind of focused on shifting some investment activity into sustainability. In the 90s, um, the, there was a creation of the Domini uh, Social Index, which was a weighted index for companies that were focused on ESG. And I think, you know, really in the early 2000s is when ESG became kind of a much more popularized term or, you know, much more used in the lexicon. And then in about 2006, the Rockefeller Foundation was credited with coming up with the term uh, or coining the term impact investing. And that's along the time when the UN principles for responsible investment were launched. So, you know, it goes, goes way back, um, but has, uh, you know, really gained, I think, a lot of momentum in, in, in the last several years. And how has the growth of the ESG mindset fueled impact investing? There have been, as I said, you know, going back to the 80s, there have been investments that were intended to create an impact. You know, they may not have been called impact investing, but that was a lot of the intention and effort. And I think, you know, over the last couple of years, as, um, you know, we've went through this terrible period of COVID, there has been unrest um, in communities. There's been a lot of increased focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, obviously um, with the you know, the challenges of um, global warming. We've seen increased interest around investing with uh, an eye on sustainability, with an eye on the environment. So I think those things have all kind of come together to bring a much greater interest and a much greater focus and, and really kind of thought process about what is it to invest and what are the factors I should be considering or I want to consider as an investor when I make an investment. Has affordable housing been a big recipient of that investment? You know, I think probably, especially in the last several years, the environment, um, you know, because it is in such a big scale and institutional investors tend to invest in big scale, I think that's garnered a lot of the capital, but certainly affordable housing is right up there. Um, I think, you know, the affordable housing crisis isn't new. There's maybe increased attention to it and, and understanding of the impacts to people and communities and the lack of affordable housing. Um, but there certainly has been a, a lot of investment in that space as well. And, and I think even more so with this greater attention to, to ESG investing and, and uh, the, to the focus on, um, on, on equity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. There has been some backlash lately against ESG investing. Has impact investing been swept up in that as well? First of all, let me just say is, you know, I, my 
comments are, you know, in my role as the CEO for Impact. Um, we're owned by a group, you know, a large group of insurance companies. And so I don't, you know, I don't, they, they all speak for themselves when, when thinking about ESG and, and, and on, you know, on a topic like this. But, you know, from my perspective, the backlash lies at least in part on a fundamental misunderstanding of what ESG is. It wasn't developed necessarily as a tool to shape social policy. It was really developed as a, another set of underwriting or screening criteria for people to think about investing. So to when you think about the, the different kinds of risks for making an investment, things like the impact on the environment, um, things like governance are, are things that should be considered alongside that. And, you know, I mean, a really easy example, right? If I'm thinking about an investment in a company that has risk of, of loss or you know, property loss or exposure to things like tornadoes or fires um, or flooding. I should be thinking about that as an investor as to what those as to what that investment, um, what risks that investment faces with exposure to something like that. So it's, it's really just another tool. Similarly for governance, you know, there have been companies that have been very responsive to their shareholders and there are companies who are not responsive. So as an investor, I might want to think about whether that company takes into account how shareholders and think and feel about the growth of that company and the profitabilities of that company. So I think it's really been the result of a, this kind of a fundamental misunderstanding as opposed to this just being an additional set of tools to be used to evaluating the, the risk and the, the efficacy of an investment. Mm -hmm. So tell us about some of your company's recent activities. Yeah, so, you know, Impact, um, as we talked about, we've long been an investor in affordable housing. We've been doing it for, for um, you know, almost 25 years now. Our primary focus has been on the creation of new affordable housing um, to, to try and really grow the stock of affordable housing. But our, our most recent investment fund that we closed is called the Impact Mortgage Opportunities Fund. Um, that was focused on preservation. The National uh, Low-Income Housing Coalition has an estimate that, that almost 300,000 units of federally assisted homes will lose their affordability restrictions in the next few years. So it became clear to us that one of the things that we needed to do in an area where we could have more or additional impact is if we focused on preservation. So this, the, the, the Impact Mortgage Opportunities Fund was focused on trying to uh, invest to, to preserve access to affordable housing. So it was, we closed as $210 million. Um, we're hoping to preserve about 5,000 units of affordable housing, which, you know, in the terms of the, 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 the total number of 300,000 units, it's a drop in the bucket. But we also hope this will be the first of, of many of these kinds of funds that will give those that want to preserve access to affordable housing the capital that they need to do so. Another recent fund that we were really proud of, it was, you know, we've, we've long tried to be innovators in this space and thinking about how to bring more capital um, to affordable housing, more capital to invest in low-income communities. 
And so in 2020, we closed, it was just over $100 million, but it was uh, with Freddie Mac, um, one of the, the government-backed um, uh, agencies um, focused on housing, and in this case, affordable housing. So we closed their first social bond issue, um, which was a $100 million bond issue backed by affordable housing mortgages. Um, it's the first of several that Freddie has done now, but I think the importance of it is that with Freddie's backing of these certificates, it brought much, uh, much greater, much investment interest from institutional investors who previously hadn't been exposed to this space and giving them um, the opportunity to invest in it, but invest in a pretty safe and secure way because these bonds are, are, are backed by Freddie. Interesting. And I think you called it a social bond. It's a social bond issue that Freddie mm-hmm. did um, that uh, you know had an, an independent um, assessment to it. And I think, as I said, the bottom line is is they were all of the certificates in this issuance were backed by affordable housing mortgages, mm-hmm. and so that was really I think the the social impact of this bond. And speaking of social impact, last fall you issued a report on your company's social impact on affordable housing. Uh, tell us about some of your findings. Yeah, so this is our, our second um, impact report. And, you know, it, it's been really uh, and kind of an, an interesting journey for us as we have thought about how to assess the impact of our investments. And, you know, just kind of a, a, a couple of key numbers to set the context for the critical need of affordable housing. There is a shortage of almost 14 million affordable and and available rental homes for low-income and extremely low-income renters. When we did this report, and, and, you know, I was really amazed that the the team pulled together some, again, some really incredible facts that there's no county, state, or metro area where a person earning the prevailing minimum wage can afford a modest two-bedroom home. Wow. No county in the U.S. Only in 9% of the counties can they afford a one-bedroom home. Um, it takes, you know, that for that same worker, they have to work about 79 hours a week to afford a, a one bedroom at, at fair market rents. And lastly, about 30% of all households have unaffordable rent or mortgage payments. So that means they're spending about more than 30% of their income in housing. And, and over 7 million renters are spending over half of their income on housing. So the need is dark, not only for at the individual level, but at the community level, right? Um, the, that means that, you know, these folks are, are having to make decisions between housing and, you know, what they could spend on grocery or childcare, right. going into their communities, right? Spending money in their communities with local businesses. Um, so, you know, it was, it really kind of put into, you know, we're investors, so we like numbers, right? So, you know, it really put into to really clear context the critical shortage of affordable housing. Um, today, we've invested about $1.4 billion. Um, we started out focused just in California. Now, in um, we've invested in 43 states, 300 cities. And I think what most proud of in, in looking at this report is that the aggregate annual rent savings in 2021 for renters and the properties that we financed was almost $33 million um, or about $800 per unit for, for tenants that are earning just 30% of area median income. 
you know, that's just that that that's money that is particularly in the environment that we're in today with so much inflation and increase, you know, we hear about in groceries, in um, utilities, in gas prices. Um, you know, this is money that 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 is 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 available, but still, you know, being eaten up by by higher costs. So it was, you know, really clear to us that um, the need is stark, that the ability to invest in affordable housing makes a real difference in terms of rent savings and in terms of trying to give people, I mean, if we can't give people the, the basic opportunity to live in a safe, affordable home, it's going to be, you know, impossible to move to the, the bigger challenges of, of equity and inclusion and, and, and wealth building. Absolutely. Any other myths about impact investing that you want to dispel? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about when we started talking about this and we, we, we talked about, um, uh, we talked about impact investing, that we were investing for impact before it became called that. And, you know, in some ways, I wish the term had never been coined um, because we just simply think about it as investing because that's what it is. We're, we're making investment decisions. It's just we have this intent that our investments also try to solve a problem. And so I think because it gets called impact investing, because it's not just called regular old investing, people go, huh, why does it have this special name? Does it have more risk? Do I have to take more risk if I make an impact investment? Am I trading off return? Am I getting less return for my investments? And so, you know, yeah, it, it has these, these myths, these misperceptions around it, that it's not regular plain old investing, when in fact, that's, that's what it is. The investors that we're investing for, um, you know, they have the responsibility to their policyholders in the case for the, our insurance company owners. Um, they have a, a, a responsibility to their investors to take these assets that um, they're responsible for managing and to invest them in a prudent way. So our responsibility is to give them opportunities to make prudent investments. So it's, you know, it's just, it's simply an investment. In our case, though, we're, we're intent on trying to drive, drive change. We're intent on trying to solve a problem mm -hmm. with these investments. Well, thank you very much for all this, Jeff. One more question. Um, any words of advice for people who want to get involved in this space? Yeah, please do. Um, the opportunity has really never been greater, particularly if you look at the just broader space of impact investing. We started a couple of years ago um, an internship program um, because, you know, back when in the 80s, when I got into the space, I didn't know that there was the possibility to take what I, you know, what my training was around investing in finance and what I enjoyed doing to also trying to make a difference. The space is you know, multiplied and it's, it's so much greater. Um, the need for affordable housing, the number of developers who are focused just on the preservation of, of housing. And, and when we think about affordable housing, we should, you know, there's a pretty big spectrum, right? It's not, it's not solely focused on um, the very poor, but also workforce housing, mm -hmm. right? Teachers need affordable places to live. 
the, the people that, you know, are, are working at the, the stores that, that, you know, we go to, we shop at, or the restaurants, they need affordable places to live. So more developers um, are focused on the space, more investors are focused on the space. There is a plethora of, of new funds that are, are focused on um, trying to invest into communities. So the opportunity is great um, to really come in and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trained in finance or, in, or investment or you're thinking about that's my, what, might you, what you might want to do in college, um, to also know that uh, if you're a strong values person, there's an opportunity to kind of, kind of combine that career with that, that, that value opportunity to make a difference. You know, what I tell a, a, lot, of folk, a lot of folks that when we're doing interviews um, is that even on my worst day, I get to, to commute home knowing that, uh, yeah, things may have been a challenge, but we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to build more affordable housing and that could soften a tough day, but it also is a, is a big reward um, in, in a career. And so, you know, people have an opportunity to do this in a lot of different ways. Um, and if you really want to do something that's aligned with your values, it, it's certainly a space where, where you can find opportunities to do that. That's really exciting. All right, Jeff, thank you so much and good luck in your good work. Well, yeah, th thanks for helping us tell people about it. Really appreciate it. And thank you listeners for joining me on Sustainability Street. If you have any questions about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to me at therese.fitzgerald at cpe-mhn.com. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.